Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, before we get into the show, just wanted to remind you that we've got a Jared Allen signed jersey giveaway from Fan HQ going on over on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter page at Matthew Collar, that's C O L L E R, you retweet the post about the Jared Allen signed jersey. Follow me if you don't already, and follow at Fan HQ. That's it, and you're registered to win. Fan HQ, by the way, is your headquarters for officially licensed sports apparel, authentic memorabilia, and autograph appearances. If it came from HQ, then it's authentic. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me, ESPN's Courtney Cronin and officially Courtney, our draft scout as yes, indeed, we do have another draft simulation on tap court and it's the senior bowl. Tell me you've been uh, like watching all this tape of senior bowl prospects and grinding it and that you're all ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I have been following along with the people, the limited number of people that I know that are in Mobile this year. Um, weigh-in day was uh, was yesterday. That was that was great. I love seeing you know all the measurements of everybody. It's not the underwear Olympics that um, you know I got to experience firsthand last year going to a weigh-in, but you know you get to see their measurements on the board. And then today I saw an offensive lineman who I don't even remember what his name was, but his stomach was hanging out doing during an interview. And I was like, man, I want to see this guy in some one-on-one drills. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's my level of senior bowling this year. I love watching the clips from the people who are down there. I have not ever been to the senior bowl. And uh, if I was going to go, maybe this year would have been the year because the Vikings were eliminated so early, but you know, of course not traveling with COVID a lot of people, that's the case, but I love watching the game, the senior bowl game and the highlights and practices and stuff, especially when it's one-on-ones with a receiver in a corner Mm -hmm. and there's like no chance for the corner because he's playing press and the guy has a two-way go and there's like no one else around on the entire field and then the guy makes a good catch and it's like look at this great route he did all these things like, oh okay let me you know let me remember that guy's name and you know some sometimes it turns out but not often but it's still fun to watch and especially for the quarterbacks which it will be interesting to watch uh, Jamie Newman who you and I talked about the last time uh, we draft simmed. So we've got a whole new draft sim and we're going to start inventing scenarios, different scenarios in free agency in the off season for each one of these. But first Courtney, 
we have to get into Kyle Rudolph, who talked with K fans, uh, Ben Lieber, former Viking, about his situation. And to say he was honest about it is an understatement. He was extremely blunt and straightforward about the fact that he was very dissatisfied with his role, felt like he was eliminated from the offense. And I mean, more or less came out and said, get me out of here. Yeah, I was not surprised um, at his true sentiment about it. I think that the fact that he politely declined um, to talk to us at the end of the year was, uh, I was waiting for something like this to, to come out and it is nice to hear his unfiltered thoughts. I wish that we would have had a chance to, you know, interact with him a little bit more this year. I mean, it was difficult to begin with, um, during a COVID year, but also when you have zoom interviews to kind of paint this picture, I mean, people are writing stories off that. Like you're not, you're not able to do the small talk anymore. You're not able to do the shooting the breeze of somebody at their mm-hmm. locker or, you know, stopping somebody and passing and being able to talk to them. Like every zoom interview serves a purpose. And just frankly, because of how limited he was used in the offense this past year, uh, as a pass catcher, that is, he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't requested that often. So we didn't get to talk to him that much. And I don't know if he felt that that was a slight and didn't want to talk to us at the end of the year. But um, I know that this has kind of been something that's been been talked about for a while and whether he thinks that the media has written him off already as, you know, um, deserving to maybe get cut just because of like the lack of production and the salary. I don't know. But I think that this is, you know, the reason so many people are treating it as, as a foregone conclusion is because this team is nearly 13 million over the cap. When you try to do your job as a journalist and try to figure out logical ways for them to get under the cap, you're going to look at somebody whose production does not match up to their salary, even though Rudolph said he feels like he's worth every dime that he is still owed on this three-year contract. But, you know, this, this didn't come out of thin air. I mean, clearly if he's talking about it, He's feel it's not just talking hearsay. Like he's feeling some pressure. He's hearing things internally. Um, and I do believe that the Vikings ha- are well within their right to go to him and say, we can't pay you top five tight end money. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, like restructure or we're going to release you. And, and if he wants to go somewhere else, I know he's been here for 10 years. He said he doesn't want to go anywhere else. I understand that, but this is, he, he said, I understand both sides. I see both sides. So if you do, then you'll understand when they release you to say 5.1 against the cap, right? The day that they drafted Irv Smith jr. In the second round in 2019, the writing was on the wall that Kyle Rudolph's time was dwindling in Minnesota. That's why there was a chance that they were trying to trade him on draft day that year. Like that's not a surprise. It's not new news. It's two years old. So the fact that he got surpassed essentially in a depth chart, yes, he had a Liz Franck sprain um, in his foot in, you know, that's part of the reason why he didn't play the last five games of the year, but what Irv Smith jr. And Tyler Conklin showed puts the Vikings in a position where they should feel completely comfortable moving on from Kyle Rudolph right now. And yes, He's done so much in this community. Like, let's get that out there. Like, this isn't a PR nightmare if they release him. Like, he can still do the work in the community. I remember what back in 2019 when there was the talk of, is he going to, you know, go somewhere else or restructure the contract at the 11th hour? And he, you know, told us that he had met with the people from the children's hospital he does work with and let them know, like, just very frankly, hey, if I'm out of here, I'm still going to be a presence here. 
none of that changes whether he's on this roster in 2021 or not. But, you know, looking past that to the actual business side of this and the finances and like the, you know, the, the consequences of being loyal to players at the wrong part of their career, in my mm-hmm. opinion, um, yeah. it's biting the Vikings in the ass right now. It really is because the same thing happened with Anthony Barr. They with blind loyalty uh, to, to, and, and look where they are. Like now they're not going to be able to be active players in free agency to begin with. And even if they wanted to be, they'd have to make a ton of moves in free agency to clear up some cap space to do so. So, you know, I'm not surprised to put a bow on this. I'm not surprised that Rudolph was not willing to say he would take a restructure in that, um, in that podcast. I think, it's probably smart for him not to. It's probably smart for him to be like, no, I'm worth every dime, whether you believe it or not. I've, I was always told, die with a lie. Like, if if he really <laughs> believes that, that's great. But it's also like, you don't want to shortchange yourself. I totally yeah. understand that. Let yeah. your agent get in a heated thing with the Vikings front office. Don't do it to yourself. But if he really wants to stay here, I'm sorry. I, I'm willing to, to, to bet the farm that he will have to take a restructure. They're not going to – there's really no other place for them to find the money to be able to free it up, to be able to pay him um, his very high salary next year. Do you, do you ever um, know anybody that I can't think of an instance where this ever happened to me, but who um, kind of holds something in for a really long time and then just loses it. Um, oh, I mean, this is like me, like, this is me. This is me when I'm like really ticked <laughs> off about something and I do a poor job compartmentalizing it. That's how I feel like it's been with Kyle, that he's been upset for quite some time. And he was even upset before they uh, gave him a contract extension prior to the 2019 season. If you remember, he did one interview where he said something about how it would be great to get traded to New England. He had another one that said, oh, yeah, teams are interested in trading for me. And so he was kind of um, irritated. I remember. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that one part where it was like, wait, are you admitting that into tampering? (laughs) Right, right. That your agent's (laughs) talking to other teams. Right. Yeah. Um, That was, that was during OTAs right before they signed the deal in 2019. Yep. yep. So he was saying things like that because he was clearly agitated about, um, you know, the way they were handling his cap or his uh, contract situation. And the same with us. He's been annoyed with us for a while for pointing out his actual birthday. Um, You know, every time we mention in articles or whatever about how he's kind of getting to be an older veteran player. And when you search the roster, you have to scroll all the way down the age to find him for the last couple of years. He's been in his late twenties and now, you know, early thirties. And he's made comments numerous times about how you guys say I'm old and, and, and that sort of thing. So he's always been pretty sort of sensitive about some of this stuff, about the way that he's treated from the team. Um, what's you know said in the media, even though I think the media is uh, largely very complimentary of Rudolph because of his off the field work, but also here on this little show, throw it to Kyle has been a thing for a long time. I mean, like the efficiency numbers are so high that I've always said, look, I mean, if you're throwing it to Kyle Rudolph, you're probably succeeding career quarterback rating of all the quarterbacks who have thrown Kyle Rudolph football balls is 113. Like you're doing Mm -hmm. a good job if you're throwing it to Rudolph, but it's, I think a perfect storm of a quarterback who never trusted him and a head coach who never wants to throw the ball because I mean, this is a team. I, I looked at his percentage, by the way, of like target share. It only went down by a couple percent from even 2018, but what went down was the number of passes they've thrown. And yeah, 
So, I mean, if you're as an offense, there's only so many like throws to go around. If there's only 500 passes to go around and the league average is 560, 575, 80, then, you know, you're not going to get as many targets as, as other tight ends. And so you mix that with the emergence of Irv Smith, an offense that focuses on the run game, and it isn't a good fit here. I just want to know, though, are we going to treat him the same way as we did Diggs as a, a local fan base and media? Because, you know, Diggs was called all sorts of things that yeah, weren't really fair. And they're, I'm not seeing them anywhere about Kyle Rudolph but he did a very long interview, like airing out the dirty laundry when all Diggs did was miss a practice and say there's truth to the rumors. So I don't know. I just, I think that there's, there's definitely a double standard there when it comes to Diggs and Rudolph. But I also think, and this is my main takeaway that now you got two when it's just one, you could say, ah, that guy Diggs, that diva, right. Diva. He's uh, just trying to take our team apart. We're going to play the way we play, but now it's two. And it's two guys who are good. It's two pro bowlers. It's two players who were on the 2017 team that took you to the NFC championship who have both said this same thing. So you don't think there's other people who are pretty important on this roster who might think that same thing about not getting their target share and about not passing to win and all this. I think that's the biggest concern here is now it's two. And to me, there's a very large difference between one guy who was upset and two proven pro bowl veteran players who were unhappy with the way that you're approaching the offensive system. Yeah. To, to answer your first question, will he get the digs treatment? Well, yes and no. I think that when I posted, uh, I listened to the podcast yesterday. I you know wrote about it. And when I posted an article today, not a single person in my mentions was saying, no, you're right, Kyle, like, you know, forget the Vikings, like they should pay you what you're worth. There are a lot of people with the, you know, with the mindset of don't let the door hit you on the way right. out. Yeah, like yeah. you're delusional for thinking that, you know, A, you're worth just what real, you're being. Just real quick, I'm sorry to, to break in, but I have to say this. A lot of people said the same stuff about Trey Waynes, Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin. All the, like when you I know, say, grass isn't always greener, right? right? <laughs> exactly. When you say don't let the door hit you, just remember, good players are hard to find. Okay. Yeah, sorry, d- might be a revolving door. Might come back and smack you in the teeth <laughs> um, when you when you say it like that. You but don't want to run good players out of town. I agree. I agree. And, and right. I mean, Kyle Rudolph at 31 years old is still a very good player. He's underutilized for sure. I mean, there was definitely some. Um, I don't know if you caught this, but I did. Um, when he's talking about like his target share and that he can't sign up for what he did this year, um, you know, he was a huge red zone target from 2014 to to, set to 17, or really to 18, and then it completely fell off from there. Um, and this year, he's like, yeah, I only caught one touchdown. Is you know, a ball was thrown out of the end zone. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, wonder wonder what that's saying. Um, yeah. But I understand what his frustration is. He feels he has more left in the tank and he certainly, he probably does. I mean, not saying that this means anything this year, but this was pointed out on the podcast. Um, he, he, his yards after the catch uh, this year, his yards per reception was a career high 11.9, but he's only getting 28 passes. So, you know, and I one of them was that. against the Jaguars where yes. no one guarded him and he gained like 30 yards. Sure. And you know, his yards after the catch, that's never going to be, his thing like he's not very fast and and, but like if you can appreciate Kyle Rudolph for what he is you can find a place for him in your roster on your in your offense somewhere it's just not going to be 
at a $7.65 million right. base salary. It's just not, that's just not applicable. So you have to look at it and with the trade-off being have this player here, but his role morphs. Like, I mean, people adapt over time, like roles adapt over time when somebody younger than you, more athletic than you can do different things than you emerges. Like you're going to see that player probably takes in your targets, but I think they could find a way, um, you know, if Kyle was willing to restructure, I think they could find a way to like continue to have a role for him in this offense. But if he goes somewhere else, I don't think he's going to automatically be getting the same targets he got in 2017 and 16. I really don't. Um, But, you know, will he get treated like Diggs? Well, Diggs kind of, I mean, never said it publicly, said it in a lot of tweets and Instagram posts and and everything that we were hearing behind the scenes. He wanted out. Kyle wants in. So I don't know if he'll get that same sort of treatment because the fan base isn't going to look at it being like, well, screw this guy. He doesn't want to be here. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. It's screw this guy. He wants to be here, but he won't take a pay cut. <laughs> don't let the door hit right, you on but the only, way out. Right. But no. only on his exact terms and sure. catches 60 balls and whatever. And there are certain people that get called divas in this world and certain people that don't. And you know what I'm talking yes, about. So exactly. I, of course. I think he can't come back after this interview. Like it's got to be done. Like I, we, because then if he comes back, it's going to feel like, okay, now we have to force him the ball because he's made it public. So every game he doesn't get the ball, then it's a story that he didn't get the ball because he made this huge deal out of it. And I think him doing that, which is fine. And certainly his right and his honesty, like you said, is appreciated because we've known this for a while, but you know, now it's really out there. Um, But you know, I, I just think after somebody comes out and flat out says bleep your system Zimmer more or less, I mean, for not Mm -hmm. throwing me the ball, that's really hard to say, yes, come on back, my friend. It's sort of like when Everson Griffin, you know, sent out certain things on Twitter. You yeah. can't really unring that bell. I mean, you can say that it was, oh, well, I was hacked or, you know, some something else. I was upset. Right. But you, you can't unring the bell. Um, that will come up every time if you're brought sure. back. So uh, I think that that's definitely the end. And it will always kind of, it always kind of hit me as weird is Mike Zimmer clearly wanted to shift the philosophy going into 2019, but they signed Rudolph to all that money. And you extend Kirk when you want this philosophy that's going to be run first. I actually think, hot take, it can work, but it can't, it can work if it's inexpensive. It can work if you're taking all the money that you're not using on a $84 million quarterback and a $9 million tight end and uh, how many of a million dollar running back and all this. Like if you're not spending all that money, then you can put it into the defensive side and build a great defense or put it in the offensive line and have a dominant offensive line and just kind of patchwork around it. Like you can never have in today's NFL great players at all the positions. So you have to decide, are we going to do it this way or are we going to do it that way? And they tried to do it is, oh, we're going to try to have great players at every position and pay everybody. And this is where it's kind of bit them. But I just don't get it. If you wanted to go to run, that's okay. You can win that way. There are teams that get deep into the playoffs with running the ball a lot. Baltimore and uh, Tennessee, they do it. But you know, next year, A.J. Brown, I think, is the most expensive Tennessee receiver, and he's the 17th highest player uh, paid player on that team. That's how you're going to have to do it, not by paying your receivers and, and your tight ends and your quarterbacks all the money and then, you know, kind of saying how we're going to rebuild the defense through the draft. That That's the part I don't get. Why would you extend him if you were going to use him as a run blocker? I agree. 
Um, and there's always going to be that push and pull between the front office and kind of the pressure that they're going to apply to use this player a specific way. Right. And the coaching staff may be like, no, bleep you. We're not going to do that. I mean, Anthony Barr, prime example. Mike, we told you about this. If we're going to bring him back, I mean, you, you have this wonderful opportunity that your prized jewel gem from the 24, your, your guy from the 2014 draft class, your first draft pick ever. Um, he wants to come back. Now you got to use him the way that he was used in college and the way that we drafted. Remember? Okay. All right. Everybody good. Clear set. Okay, good. That never happened. So like, there's always going to be a differing of opinion from the people who control the purse strings to the people who are out there controlling what the scheme is and what the scheme dictates certain roles to be. So that's why when you have a player like Dalvin cook, they're going to run him into the ground. Why? Because they want to get their money's worth. On top of the fact that he is an excellent player and helps make this offense go mm-hmm. and really is the engine behind what they do, they also just paid him a ton of money. So you're going to look real stupid if you don't right. try to get your money's worth. Which now, pe- is how they look with Kirk and Rudolph. Honestly. Yeah, I know. But they're going to say, here's the, here's the argument with, with Kirk, because I knew that that would come up. Like, it's what the market dictated. I understand that, but for a guy like that you're paying you you know that he can't be more than what he is so you just overpaid like it's not like oh you paid him like you're not using him to his potential like you paid him what he's what you think he's worth um he has a really good agent who was able to to make sure that he got that extension when he did you're not going to use him more than that hell they had to learn to dial it back week eight for for like through like week 15 um, to figure out how to use him better, which means taking the ball out of his hands in certain right. circumstances. And you're still paying him a ton. It's not a fair argument. I get it. But as a quarterback, it's different. It's a, he's in a class of his own when it comes to that sort of argument. I want to remind you about our friends at Soda Stick. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping at SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There's so many great designs, including Chuck Foreman's Spin Doctor shirts, Skull Hats, Straight Cash Homie shirts, and much, much more. And if you are a hockey fan without getting going soon or a basketball fan, make sure you check out all sorts of great designs. Their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on Super Soft super comfy shirts and hoodies you will love it that's sodastick.com s-o-t-a-s-t-i-c-k.com original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping i just think about how many moves the front office has made that the the coach and coaching staff have been like "Mm." and and cousins is one of them and i know i've brought his name up a number of times but marcus mariota is the guy i think of like Marcus Mariota could probably do what you want your quarterback to do. um, And you wouldn't have to pay him anything. So the front office goes out and gets this expensive quarterback and make sure that he keeps his uh, mattress as he called them once like throwing into a mattress. I still don't quite get Mm -hmm. that, but like he gives them a security blanket guy, right. A guy who's been a, in case of emergency security blanket for many quarterbacks and a very good one. And they make sure he stays around and they draft a second round tight end and they draft a first round wide receiver and they make sure Adam Thielen gets his money. And so, okay. Yeah. They did use Justin Jefferson. I think they could have more, but you know, he gains 1400 yards. That's, that's great. Um, but aside from that though, aside from the number one and number two wide receiver, 
It's like, you don't use your quarterback as much as other teams do. And, and, and you don't use this tight end that we paid for you to make sure that you had it's, I mean, I'm trying to think of like a, like a parents and child type of situation where you're like, I bought you the nice notebooks for school and you're using just like scrap paper. Um, and yeah. it's, that's kind of how it feels sometimes, even, even on the defensive side, like, Oh, we're going to move this guy, this position or that position, or, I mean, going back to Ezra Cleveland, like did the front office draft Ezra Cleveland to be a right guard? No, I, I don't think they did. And so they're no. just, it feels like there's been a number of these things where you're like, are you guys on the same page with what you want to do here with the way the money's being spent versus the way the players are being used? Yeah. And some of it has to boils down to, you know, their SOL in certain situations. It's like, well, elf line's terrible. We, we gave that one last shot as their year up next because yeah. Samia's also got awful. Like, you know, they had no other choice because they didn't have the ability to go out and get a guard in the middle of like, you know, the first quarter of the season to come in and play. Cause a, there's nobody good available and you're not going to make a trade for somebody like that. Like, it's not, it's like, just not worth it. Practice to tackle. That was the weird thing. I, I know. I know. Guard. And I just wonder I like, is that what you guys thought he was going to be? Or did you draft him to be the future tackle? And then the coaching staff went, no, no, he's a guard. I'm sure it's a lot of both, but like, you can't, you can't try to like pull the wool over on everybody and be like, Oh no, we knew he was going to be a right guard. Like, right. You don't, you don't do that. Like you don't draft. I know that this sometimes happens in the NFL where you have somebody who played one position in college, like based on scheme, like somebody might've been like a defensive end in college and like, Oh, you see him as like an out, a rushing outside linebacker. Okay. Like same prototype essentially. Right. Like, you know, you could just get put him in different defenses and fits. He may have a different like title next to his name, essentially of position. But for an offensive lineman, like, and you're t- making a guy play completely out of position, something comes. Something is always brought up of okay, what went wrong? Was there an injury? Was this an out of necessity move, or was there just not an agreement whatsoever? And you guys are trying to you know save face here, be like, we well, got to play him somewhere. He's a second round pick. Got to play yeah. him somewhere. Otherwise, yeah. we look like idiots. So. Yeah. I get it. I totally understand that. But, you know, it, it makes me wonder, like, when you think back to, like, 2019, that was OTA. All right, so Zim's golf tournament, which was, like, the beginning of May. That's when Kyle holds his press conference outside. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And he talks about, like, you know, I want to be here. It was very – it was just a weird thing for, like, you know, for that the whole thing to happen. And, you know, then Zim talks about it. And then about – three weeks pass and we're at the end of May, early June and it's OTAs. And he's talking about like, you know, there are teams that want me. Like I know there's teams. So I'm okay. Tampering. Um, but then they signed the deal. They work out the four year extension. Cause I remember it. It was night. It was game five of the NBA finals that year. And I was like, really enjoying that game. And then I see an alert. I'm like, ah, why do I have to deal with this at nine 30 at night on like a Tuesday? Um, but nonetheless, I remember thinking, I was like, why did they feel the need to do this? Were they so worried that, okay, you can't rely on a rookie tight end? Well, you still had Stefan Diggs. You still had Adam Thielen in your offense. Um, you probably could have brought Irv Smith. I mean, and you, you, they said it them, themselves. Gary is like, oh, he's swimming. And then now he's like learning. Right. Um, you know, they felt very highly of Irv Smith. What would have been the gamble to just be like, all right, Rudolph, peace back in 2019, instead of paying him all this money, 
underutilizing him in 2019. Yes, he caught six touchdowns. Um, and was it was, you know, a decent piece of the offense. I think he was still a third leading receiver um, you know, that year, third or fourth. And, you know, beyond that though, then it's like this year he was a non-factor. And you'll have to remember too, like Kyle, his whole thing of like all I do is block now. Like that was something I remember for the yeah. first eight weeks of the season last year. Yep. Yep. Year yep. 2019. That was what he was doing until Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski figured it out. Cause don't you remember there was a little bit of passive aggressiveness oh, yeah. talking to Kyle in the root in the locker room of like, you know, as a leader of this locker room, I will accept my role and do my role and yeah. all this other conjecture that I'm like, huh, it sounds like you're really unhappy about it, but mm-hmm. tell me more. Um, yes, it, it definitely it, did. Yep. You know, but here's the thing though, like when it, you know, circling back to your point on, Diggs and now Rudolph, two guys that are good players that are unhappy that they're not getting the ball. Um, some of that is just kind of like tough deal with it, but like then don't have these expensive players have guys wear out rookie contracts and, um, and, and just build it that way because you have a lot of chess pieces on here that are expensive. Like if I'm thinking like back to like, you know, when Diggs was still here, Diggs is really expensive. Rudolph's really expensive. Thielen's really expensive. Um, you know, and then now what's it going to be? Er Smith Jr. is going to be expensive in about a year or two. Brian O'Neill, when I'm thinking like recent piece, is going to be expensive. Yep. Justin Jefferson is going to be hella expensive when he, <laughs> you know, you're going to obviously, assuming everything goes great, you're going to try to extend him before, you know, the year of his fifth year option. So he's not playing on that, whatever. But like, it gets expensive. And I know this added old adage is so cliche. There's one ball. And if other players can do things that are more versatile and have bring more to the table than you, then those players are going to be the one getting the target share. And that's what I think of with Irv Smith and, you know, the way that Tyler Conklin came along, it's a cheaper option. Dude is a fifth round pick like, and they like him and he, he's okay blocking. He knows that, you know, he came up as a fifth round pick. He doesn't really have much ground to, to, you know, stand on. He works his ass off. And then he gets to a point where he actually is getting targets because Kyle's out. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes you get passed up and then you're in a situation where you're unhappy about it because the writing is on the wall. I mean, he said the writing was on the wall last year with the offense. Well, the writing's on the wall now that you're, this is going to be what your role is going to be. They're not going to all of a sudden just change it for you. This is a run heavy offense. They need you to run block for Dalvin cook. I'm sorry. Like just is what it is. So my thing is just, you could put horse blinders on and say, well, you know, Kyle's just uh, salty because he, you know, fell off or because uh, he didn't want to play his role and Irv Smith is good or something like that, which, you know, and you could say, Hey, it's fine to move on, which I agree. Just like the digs trade is fine because you got Justin Jefferson. Um, but like, if you just even take the blinders off a little and expand your vision, even a little on the situation, it's like, how are you not going to do this again to some other important merchandise here? And I'm talking about Justin Jefferson. Like you have yeah, two you know, thousand percent, right? Two of your best players are leaving really annoyed with the, how this is going. And so like, do you want this? Is this a good model for you? Like, I mean, is it, do you think it's a good model to have pro bowl players mad at you all the time? <laughs> like probably not. So figure out how that cannot happen in the future, whether that's the new offense coordinator or you know, whatever way they go about it, 
figure out how to not have that happen, not being trashed well, in public by multiple pro bowlers. Well, that's the thing then. Then, then change who you're bringing into this team. Get right, guys right. who don't really give a, give a crap about catching the ball. Right. Like, don't spend I, the money on those guys. Right. Yes, exactly. Don't like, sign them to big extensions if you don't want to throw them the ball. Sign expensive running backs if you want, <laughs> you know, if you want this holding, because that's what this whole thing is trending. Like, you know, I just wrote about this last week of the lessons that they could have learned from, from Jefferson and, you know, Stefan Diggs. And that's not to say that, you know, oh, well, if, if, if Justin Jefferson wants 166 targets, which Diggs had this past year, give it to him. Otherwise, he's going to throw a fit. No, there's something called balance that you can actually, like a real balance that you could try to achieve more of. But when you say that you want to run it back and you want to run the exact same scheme and, you know, Kirk's basically throwing out, you know, warnings to Justin Jefferson of be patient, we're going to run the ball, like, that's not somebody who's going to thrive in, in, in this sort of mindset. Like I know that right. people can say, well, Diggs is a diva. He, you know, it's not being a team player. Dude took a team friendly contract. Don't give me that. Like the dude, dude shortchanged himself, you know, really almost nearly sold his future to the Vikings, the prime of his career for about 15 million. Cause that was the guaranteed amount or whatever. Um, because he believed in what they were doing and at least what he saw at the time with the offense with John Filippo as the, as the offensive coordinator. Like he's, he, he had a belief that they could win a Super Bowl that year. Why else do you think Daniel Hunter took the deal that he took? And now, right. you know, we'll wonder, we'll see when, if, and when it's not even it, if it's like when they'll extend him, like those people, Eric Kendricks included that year, all those extensions that they made in 2018, like they believe that they could do something and they didn't because you know, yeah, they're never going to come out and say that we felt we were a missing piece away. That's why we signed Kirk Cousins. But why, why do you think so many dudes took team-friendly deals and restructures yep. and all that stuff yep. to keep this core together? They're smart people. They realize that, you know, you got to give a little and take a little. But now I feel like there are guys who have seen that and been like, heck no, I'm out. Like, I, I you know, I was a team player, but mm-hmm. I got to worry about number one. And I can't fault people for that. You you only have so long to play this game. And, and just side, side note, uh, um, this is why I think Riley Reef is not around here next year. I think that he's looking at you think you think they're gonna ask him to restructure? I would think so. Yeah. Or or they're gonna cut him, just straight up cut him. Um, because my guess is if they ask for an extension or restructure, he just says, No, cut me. That's my um, guess. If they extend him, I could see him saying yes. Restructure, no, he's already done it once. But I don't see why he would take an extension. If he goes on the free agent market, he's getting paid, right? There's a guarantee he allowed one sack last year. I mean, so I, I just think like the way that they've handled some of these players and reef is included with the Ngakwe mess. Like mm-hmm. you just, this is what happens. This is what happens when it kind of comes apart from having a winning team to not anymore. And so they've got to, I guess, figure out a way to turn that arrow going the other direction from players leaving and, you know, being frustrated with you about how they were treated with money and all that. So um, let's uh, let's do some fake trades. You want to do some fake trades? Love some fake trades. Okay. Maybe I'll I've been have some, to. some game show music here. Do, 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 Would you do this fake trade? Do, do, do. Okay. I made up three fake trades and you have to tell me what you think of the three fake trades. This does not mean I love all the trades. I just invented them for okay. your analysis. Okay. Hey, uh, for first trade, you mentioned Daniil Hunter. Daniil Hunter to the New York Jets, assuming they don't get Deshaun Watson, for number 34 and number 87 overall draft selections. 
for th- I'm writing these down, by the way, for 34 and 87. 34 and 87. Okay. So a second and a third round pick. Correct. A um, very high second round pick. Yeah, that's like that's like early day two. Okay, that's trade number one. That's What's trade, trade number, number two? Trade number two is Kirk Cousins and a 2022 second round pick to the San Francisco 49ers for 12th overall. So Cousins and a second rounder next year Mm -hmm. to San Francisco for number 12. Okay. So you'd have 14 and 12 at that point. The third trade is 14th overall and Anthony Barr to Denver for ninth overall. And let's even throw in there to take either Trey Lance or Penny Sewell or even Micah Parsons or someone like that. If you want to replace Anthony Barr, I'm not sure who, but like to move up to potentially put yourself in position to take someone like Trey Lance. So you're giving them Anthony Barr and your 14th overall 14th overall pick and you get nine back in return. Yes. You get nine back in return. You could draft whatever you like. Well, I must say these are, I really do like these. Um, I put a lot of work into them. Thank thank you you for doing it. I mean, when it comes to fake trades, you got to give 110. Thousand percent. Um, All the percentages that don't exist. So I will, let me pull up my, my calculator because I'm going to start to look at um, a couple scenarios now of cap movement and what some of these trades might do for you. So over Mm -hmm. the Well, I picked the jets for Hunter because because they've got a bajillion dollars and um, you know, that one makes a ton of sense. Now here's the thing. Like I I, can't rush the pass. Daniel Hunter. No, no. I meant uh, the jets. Like the jets have put zero pressure on anyone for years. Oh, no, I absolutely hear you. Um, so the whole thing that makes sense about Hunter in the trade market, I remember last year you brought this up um, with like, would they, the winner doing reckless speculation, like would they, you know, what would happen um, if they decided that they wanted to trade him? What could you get? All of that. Um, you know, it would, it could be quite a bit like at that point, no neck injury, no nothing. Um, you might've been able to move. Yeah. Like, but this year it's coming off a neck injury and it's just like, okay. Like I know that everyone says everyone, meaning Mike Zimmer, uh, cause we haven't heard from Daniil, um, post recovery. Like, Oh, he said, he'll be back fine. He, you know, he'll be, he wants to play. This is also the same person who said he had a tweak. So let's take that with a <laughs> right, grain of salt. Right. So I don't know if the Daniil Hunter trade market as good as he is, um, would be as high this year as it was in previous years. Now, would you explore it? I think you would because you're like, I've written about 11 times. Like they are this rebuild that they're in on defense. It's going to take a couple years. I'm not saying it's going to take 10 years like the jets, but like, right. you know, they're, they're in the process of it right now. It's already begun. So if you moved on from him and then you got 34 and 87, first off, if you, if you move on from Daniil, I just did some simple math here. So they were like a 12.8 over the cap for 2021. Um, yeah, there's going to be some rollover, but we don't know how, you know, also how much it comes down to. If you trade him, then, you know, you come down about 5 million um, next year in the cap. So you then would have, you know, you'd be over by like 7.71. So you'd still have some work to do, but the type of player that you could get back at 30 what'd you say 34 34 yeah i mean that's a borderline first, that's a first round talent more likely than not 
if you wanted, and I'm looking at a draft that I just did, um, you know, earlier this afternoon, there's several tackles that would be available to you in that, um, in that range, 34 to like 40, uh, Tevin Jenkins from, uh, Oklahoma state, uh, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, mm, Walker yeah. Little uh, from Stanford. I mean, there's several offensive linemen if you wanted to go that route and get somebody else in. You know, if you really wanted to move Ezra Cleveland and then cut some more cap and you know cut Riley Reef to create more cap space, that that might itself might be fine. Um, I like that one. Um, I really do. And I probably so you gave me three, and I am looking them over. I. Personally, I think that the Vikings should get in on the quarterback market action. So I you feel might like as well. Everybody's like doing the, it. I feel like the Kirk one, just because it's like it's so out there. And two months ago, before we knew Deshaun Watson hated Jack Easterby, um, and before we knew that like Doug Peterson had burned his relationship with uh, Carson Wentz past the point of any return. Um, like I would, I would think that it'd be impossible to trade Kirk Cousins. I really did because, like we've said a hundred times, the third day of the league year, his 2022 base salary becomes fully guaranteed. So you're not just picking up his 2021 base salary and you know all that comes with that, you know the proration, the whole thing. You're you're picking up 2022. Now yeah. it might not be so bad if all these other teams are making moves. And San Francisco, of course, makes the most sense because. You know, Kyle Shanahan, before he got, uh, before Kirk landed here, um, or I guess after Kirk landed here in March of 2018, Shanahan had been with the 49ers for the 2017 season. Like he admitted, he always thought that he would get reunited with him. Well, now might be his best chance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a 2022 second rounder, um, that's great. That's either great leverage for, for next year, meaning the 2022 season, uh, or you could trade that pick around. They love trading second round picks. Apparently it's what they did with Cockway. You don't just give those things away. Um, but to move up to 12, so you'd have 12 and 14. Yes. And then fake trade scenario. Yes. You get 12 and 14. That's a quarterback in my opinion. And that's probably quitty pay, right? So, like I mean, yeah, that could be, I mean, that could be Trey Lance and that could be quitty pay. The interesting thing about these scenarios is I tried to make it so much of like, Oh, I don't want to do, Oh, do I, you know, just like, um, because if you're getting that much back for cousins, because San Francisco wants them to make their head coach, who's very good, happy, then all of a sudden, yeah. I mean, it puts you in position to trade up for Trey Lance, possibly from 12 to seven or something in that ballpark or wherever you need to go to get him. If you want to make that pick, or there's always a possibility that we are a little hoodwinked on somebody else. I mean, Daniel Jeremiah had Justin Fields as 10th, I think in his mind. Zach Zach Wilson could drop too. That's right. We could be surprised um, depending on how these other teams fill out their quarterback situations. We could be surprised. And so let's say though, like you said, get a quarterback and an edge rusher for cousins, like is the, you know, wins above replacement. Is that adding up there to what you need? And I feel the same way about the Daniel Hunter. It's like, man, who wants to give away a great player, but you know what you Mm -hmm. are getting back cap space, two players who could make an impact potentially in the draft as you rebuild a bunch of spots. Now, how about the third one? Um, this is probably the most unrealistic one to trade up and use yeah. the bar, but uh, I figured I'd throw him into a trade scenario to see what you thought. I mean, if you can find a partner, 
I don't know if it'd be Denver because I feel like George Payton would probably be like, yeah, no. Uh, Maybe they'd make him the outside three, four edge rusher. That's what I was thinking. I mean, the guy's also coming off a torn pectoral muscle. Yes, like is. who knows? That's that's sure. that's a, like the mystery with their two best defensive players right now who didn't play last year pretty much. Like I know the bar played like a game and a half, but that's uh, that's interesting. At 14th overall, so you're giving them 14th overall in bar for ninth. Like that is a quarterback right there, right? Like you can't do anything else with that pick other than God, if Panay Sewell somehow fell there, the offensive lineman. Um, That's what I think is that one of these players will fall, right? Like yeah. one, because of the quarterbacks being so like you're getting the fifth best non-quarterback in the whole draft, which is. That's good for you. It could, could be Jamar Chase, but don't do that because there's not going to be enough ball to <laughs> right. spread around. Throw to him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 this is probably my third. I'd probably rank it the Kirk one as my first, or, and then, you know, Daniil number two, and then this trade number three, just because, you know, at nine, you should be taking a quarterback. I really think that you should. Uh, will they? I don't know because this team would still have Kirk Cousins on the roster. At some point, they need to address the elephant in the room of it's going to get more expensive to keep extending him. Right. Um, yep. Even though you're going to try to do it to lower his cap number, um, you know, for 2022 potentially, but it's going to get like at some point, you're going to have to move on. Like, and you don't want to, if you don't really want to start over at that position, if you don't want to look towards free agency, if you had the ninth overall pick, do it. Um, you know, but I would like to see a quarterback taken there. I would, I don't want to see, you know, I don't think you need to draft an edge rusher at nine, unless you are absolutely in love with the guy because most of the trait, most of the uh, draft sims that I've done, there's not an edge rusher taken before quitty pay most times around like 10, 11 or 12. Right. Um, but the thing that I do like about, you know, these trades they're aggressive. What do I want to see from Rick Spielman this April? I want to see them trade up. Like, mm-hmm. I know the, there's been a lot of people who've sent us both draft sims and some scenarios they want us to look over. And a lot of the popular ones are trading back from 14. Yeah. And, I and I've, always, I've looked I at like that. trading down. I do like trading down. Big fan. Down in Big this fan. Draft. Yes. But like my thing, and I had this a discussion with my editor about this recently. They've got what, 12 picks right now? In 2020, 2021 draft, they had 15 last year by the time it was all said and done. Like, you're you're not supposed to really – I know that they kind of do the whole opposite thing. Well, count how many of those guys actually made an impact outside of, like, your your best players that came in the the most – you know, the best rounds. Right. Rounds one, two, and three. Like, finish with – I'd rather have you finish with, like, seven draft picks over 12 if that means that you're packaging and moving up. Because to me, you're getting contributors who have a better chance of contributing immediately versus some sixth or seventh round project that is probably going to get cut before the time that cut down day happens. Word to Brian Cole. Like, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't, I, I just have never understood that. I'm like, Ugh, I understand. Jack Tocho. Like, it's just like, it's quite, they're, they're in a lot of ways to me, that's quality, quantity over quality. When you have all that draft capital, you're so good at acquiring it. Use it. Use it to move up. Like, I, I just I, I know that that's how a lot of teams that are cash strapped have to build. And I totally under get I get that, but I don't think it helps the Vikings in any way, shape, or form to have another double digit 12, 13, 14, 15 member draft class this year. I don't. 
Not if most of them are in the sixth. Uh, in the seventh. Exactly. Like, just, when you know that you're not going to get that many in the earlier rounds. Right, right. There's there's usually, like, think about it this way, like 100 guys who might be able to play in the NFL. So you need as many of those guys. And then take some shots later. I, I agree that, like, trading down is good. But trading down over and over and over and over to, to get nothing back. And seventh rounders, to me, are nothing. I mean, how many of these guys have turned out to be anything that they've picked in the seventh round? It's like, even in the NFL, go through seventh rounds. You're not going to find much. You go through no, I agree. fourth rounds. Okay. Third rounds, definitely, you know, fifth round sometimes, but seventh, sixth, eh, it's, it's a pretty tough sell. Um, why don't we, before we wrap up, just do like a quick draft sim um, because there's plenty of time to draft sim. So I'll just tell you about mine. And if you did one, then you sure. can talk about yours. So I did a scenario where I thought that they got a number three receiver and guard in free agency. And so, and uh, they were focused more on the defensive side. And I thought, let me, let me try something out. Let me, let me put something on and look at it in the mirror. I drafted Patrick Sertain the second with my first okay. pick with the 14th. And here's why he's a cornerback from Alabama, which I know just made people go, what? Are you crazy? I get it. But corners are very important here. And, and I've never criticized Mike Zimmer for drafting corners specifically. Like it's a, it's a good thing to draft multiples of. I'm just not really sold on the two guys that they have. Uh, and I think that the pedigree is just okay. Certain is the best one in this draft. So if you can, I think on a team like this, you just go best player available. So when I got there, it was like, just take the best player. Patrick Sertain's the best player and fill in the rest. It's a lot easier to find rotational pass rushers also than it is corners who are beasts. So I went Sertain and then I took an edge rusher in the third, uh, Tyreek Smith from Ohio State and a mm -hmm. guard with the 90th pick in Trey Smith. Crazy for taking the corner. I mean, probably people would go nuts if the Vikings drafted another corner, but I don't think it's crazy. I went defense too. Um, my thought was because I did kind of the opposite last week. Yes. Uh, I wanted to test this theory out and see once they do clear some space, what do they do with it? Well, you know, the offensive line market, as you and I have gone over very heavy with tackles this year. Um, so I don't know what that means. Like as far as, you know, Riley reef, if I be, there's no point to move on from it. If you're happy with him, it's just like, you know, if you give him an extension, you know, give him some more up front. I don't know. Do what you need to do. Keep him happy. But like, right. you need to, you need to solidify that left guard spot immediately. Um, and I think that your best path to doing that, if you are going to keep Ezra Cleveland at right guard is, is by trying to find somebody on the open market. And yeah, they did this a few years ago with Josh Klein. It didn't pan out. Go, go a level or two higher than the Josh Klein bargain bin, please. Um, do yourself a favor, do that. Now, I, I went, you know, I'm big quitty pay fan. I mean, mm -hmm. he's been in like every yep. mock draft of mine yes. for, for obvious reasons. He's like the DK Metcalf of defensive linemen. Have you seen this guy? Holy yeah. He's holy. huge. Like, and he's I mean, so yeah, unbelievable no um, freak athlete. I was, you know, just as, uh, just as surprised, uh, you know, see that someone like that exists physically. <laughs> um, especially that, I mean, Ed rushers, you, ex you expect to kind of look like Daniel Hunter, but like when you actually see it in person, it's kind of wild. Um, so yeah, that's what I did for my first round pick at 14. And then I don't have a second round pick. So I went down to my, which one did I pick at 78? Mm -hmm. So I, you know, knowing that the interior is still 
the interior defensive line is still an issue. Um, that was what I thought my priority was going to be going into it. But Eric Stokes, the cornerback um, from Georgia, was the highest rated corner at that point. And I'm kind of still in the same boat that, yes, like, you know, I, I, you know, I, I think that Cam Dancer could amount to something. I think that Jeff Gladney with more time will look okay. Um, but I'm also of the belief that Mike Hughes is probably done. Um, you, you need to move on from him anyways. You're not going to pick up his fifth year option. It's very obvious. Uh, you got to figure out a contingency plan. I know people would be probably pretty livid with them drafting cornerbacks that high. It's a necessity. Did you see the state of the defense this year? Right. Like, necessity so then with my 90th pick um that's when i dedicated uh you know a little bit more time to looking at the interior of the defensive line yeah and let me find it i just i had the other two written down um where did i put i did not get an edge rusher in this one i got the dude from um dude from usc and it might not be one of my better picks but um, Jay Tufeli, I think, isn't it? Tufeli, he was uh, he's a, he's an interior guy. I, it might not be one of my better ones, but I was at least trying to prove a point that I'm going to draft defense through. I'm going to build my defense through yeah. the draft this year because I'm just not overly convinced that they're ever going to do anything at that three technique spot other than a rotation for for a while until and unless you got somebody that's really liked, which doesn't kind of feel like they're in that spot they got to hit on somebody at some point. Like they've, they've taken yeah. some swings there and we've gotten Jaleel Johnson, Jalen Holmes and James Lynch. And like some, somebody's got to click for them uh, at that spot. Whew, that's a lot of football. Wow. I know. Wipe the, that was... wipe the sweat off the brow, take off the neck roll. That was good. So thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for your time. Cause uh, man, I feel like, we get done with the season and we're thinking, well, it's going to be a while to free agency, a while to the draft. And then the NFL just goes, Oh no, wait, here's the pedal. We're putting it down to the metal. The off season's about to get crazy. So we'll see where it all goes. So, I mean, the quarter, the quarterback movement that we should expect before free agency, like in that like week leading up to where trades can start happening and then they get finalized and all of that. Like, I just have a feeling it's going to be very like, crazy this year like remember last year we're like oh my gosh look at all this movement tom brady where's he going teddy bridgewater i know, know. philip rivers now it's like uh let's multiply that times three because you've got deshaun watson clearly doesn't want to be there matthew stafford they're like okay bye um we were thinking the same thing bye uh and then Carson Wentz and, yeah we might have to do emergency podcasts for like other teams i know <laughs> i mean it, I just think if it's, it's crazy to me that the Vikings are in the situation right now that they technically have the most stable quarterback situation in the NFC North. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, I'm like, uh-uh, get involved. Let's be <laughs> right. reckless. Get like the, if, Aaron, if Aaron yeah. Rodgers is like questioning his like stability in green Bay and whether he's going to be there, I'm like, there's, if there's any chance that you have to like be a part of this, this is the only year. So why not? Right. What's the the one commercial? The guy says like, "Come on, the water's great. Come on in." Or like, that's the the Vikings with the trademark. It's really funny that um, for so long this organization has had no stability at quarterback, but a really good roster, and now they have no stability on the roster, but stability at quarterback. So, um, and no one else does around them. So 
irony. Anyway, uh, we'll talk again soon then, Courtney. Thank you for your time.